0: Welcome to the Teams with Edge podcast with me, your host, Ashley Livingstone. I'm an entrepreneur, leader, passionate community advocate, and at the end of the day, I'm a human being who loves to learn, be creative, and who admittedly makes mistakes along the way. Over the past 18 years, I've worked with a lot of leaders and teams. And while many have thrived, some have faltered or even become well toxic and I've realized this is not unique to me in fact we've all been there so I'm on a mission to help leaders become the leaders they want to be to create a thriving sustainable culture which inspires their team and helps them and their businesses succeed this show will offer insights and interviews with various like-minded leaders who are all inspiring their teams having those uncomfortable conversations, investing in development, and building a culture of gratitude and value. They're making an impact every day. My goal is to motivate you to think about the type of leader you most desire becoming and inspire you to connect, engage, and develop your teams. Ultimately, showing up for them so they show up for you. Building intentional Conscious leadership. We can totally do this. All right, let's go. Mary Ann Mead Ward is mayor of Burlington, Ontario, a community located in the Greater Toronto Area. She has a passion to build consensus. In this episode, we discuss leading through uncertain times, building greater consensus in what can seem like a black and white world and how to take care of yourself and your team when you're not sure what the next day will bring. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Teams With Edge featuring Marianne Meadward. So joining me today on the Teams With Edge podcast is the City of Burlington's 29th Mayor, Marianne Meadward.
1: Welcome. So glad to be here. Thank you, Ashley.
0: Yes, thanks so much for taking some time out of your schedule. I know things are always busy when you're um, a public servant, so thank you so much. You're welcome. Now, we've worked together, you know, on and off, doing mostly community-based events or city events, but we've never actually had the pleasure of having this one-on-one conversation, um, and so I'm really excited about it today.
1: I am too. This is something that actually I really enjoy doing is sharing what I've learned uh, because it turns any of those painful moments into something useful for others. So so thank you. It's kind of like a little bit of therapy here.
0: Yes. Well, (laughs) therapy over coffee is always great. There you go. So over the past few months, I've actually been interviewing a lot of different leaders in different types of leadership roles and industries and just trying to pull as much great advice, um, to share with other people as possible. And, you know, you are definitely one of the largest leaders, um, running the biggest team, uh, if you count, you know, your city and all of those that, that build that team with you. And, you know, I can't imagine how it's been over the past 15 months dealing with COVID and taking care of your very large team. Um, so I'll ask the question that has probably no real good answer but how have the last 15 months been?
1: <laughs> well, you know, I am a silver lining person. I always look for the good in challenge. So as much as it's been really difficult and I, I'll speak openly about uh about some of those challenges at the end of the day, I would say I'm a better leader, I'm a stronger individual, and I'm a more hopeful person at the end of those 15 months. So, uh, you know, I like to start at the end. So that's the destination, that's where I am uh, today, but it's not It's not been an easy journey. And I can tell you uh, when this first started, Uh, back in March, when we were starting to hear about uh, COVID arriving here in our community, it it had been a slow burn, really. You know, we kind of first got the news of of, uh, this new virus uh, somewhere else a long way away. And it uh, it was back in November, right? And so November, December, January, things were starting to pick up. February, I can remember being at a conference in February, the last conference that I had before uh, everything got shut down. And even then it didn't seem, uh, it didn't seem like it was arrived in our city. It didn't, it seemed like it was still out there. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, people were talking uh, at the conference I was at, There were international business people. They were saying their organizations were canceling conferences, canceling in-person meetings. And I went, wow, that's that's really erring on the side of caution. Little did we know. And then uh, we got the first, I I will never forget the day that uh, regional chair Gary Carr called me and said we've had our first COVID case in Halton. I used to get a call for every single case uh, in the early days. That's how few there were. And uh, we thought, okay, well, we'll just, we'll deal with it and, uh, and we'll move forward. And then there was the story, um, again, another sort of pivotal uh, moment where you realize not only is this here, but it's very serious, it's very deadly, and job number one will be protecting our community. And uh, it was a story of the, the gentleman in Milton, the first fatality. From COVID, and his his uh, he went to the hospital. Uh, they they treated him, sent him home, and then he came back, and uh, and he wasn't able to fight it, and he died. And his wife was on the uh, she was on media, mm-hmm. and she, uh, she obviously devastated, and said, you know, um, take it seriously. Take it seriously, mm-hmm. and. Uh, do what you can to keep each other safe, and that that just ripped at my heart. And I thought, well, I'm in a I'm in a position to do something about that. So we are going to take this seriously. And we were the first that that was one of the one of the key factors that led to my decision to uh, declare a state of emergency very quickly after that. So talked to our staff at the city, talked to uh, the CEO at the hospital and uh, everyone was very supportive of that and so uh and talked to my council and you know any reason why we shouldn't kind of thing so even that was a very collaborative decision but we were the first of the halton municipalities to declare a state of emergency so that's where it started. that's how it started
0: yeah well and that's um you know the weight of that right i think we often think as leaders you know there's a to be in charge or to get to create this great impact, but it, it holds great weight. And you, know, you said a couple of things in there about consulting your team and consulting and doing it in collaboration. Is that, is that how you make most of your decisions?
1: Uh, absolutely, especially on matters like this that affect uh, a lot of people, but I've always believed. Uh, that m- more minds are better than just mine. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, you know, as it, it's what has fueled my passion for public consultation on decisions. It's what has characterized my term as an elected official starting with when I was a counselor in, in 2010. So for 10 years, um, my decision-making has always been a, a collaborative, consultative one because I recognize I don't have all the answers. I have something to contribute, and uh, and that's that's very important. But that's that's the, to be distinguished from. I know everything because I don't. And yeah. and I'm really grateful for the team that we have at the city: our senior staff, our management staff, our frontline workers, who give us intel. Right? They tell us from their experience what they're seeing on the ground, but also from their years of service what. What advice would they give? And um, and it's great to have that mix of of uh, people who are on the front lines, new new voices to the community. And and so after the state of emergency was declared, <clears throat> we uh, part. Of, we have a whole uh, emergency plan that's led through our fire department. Amber Rushton, who is uh, a rock star, amazing mm-hmm. individual. Uh, we. Uh, we had to meet regularly. You, you have to meet every day during an emergency and and so our first meeting, which brought together all the city department heads, our emergency management staff, uh, myself, was eight hours long. <laughs> and, and the second one was eight hours long uh-huh. and we got we got more streamlined because uh, you can't go at that pace uh, no. clearly, but we were meeting daily. And so it, we have had collaborative decision-making at the city since the day that the emergency was declared. I also realized there's a lot of collaboration with our community that needs to take place. And so um, uh, early in, uh, in the emergency struck the COVID-19 task force, which brings mm-hmm. together school boards, um, folks dealing with food security and social outreach to our community, uh, our hospital, Uh, police fire uh, military at that time we we weren't sure if we would need uh, their help for logistic support throughout this so you know I think back to those days uh, of what we what we didn't know we didn't know what we didn't know yeah (laughs) Uh, but we brought that our first meeting was close to 50 people and at the time we were only just figuring out about zoom and I didn't have my own account and I was maxed at 50 and I was maxed at a time limit so (laughs) (laughs) I have since bought the premium version of Zoom, Uh, but back in the day, you know, again, we we didn't know all about that and we didn't know that we would be doing this for 15 months, but but that has been a source of incredible insight and wisdom in terms of what the needs in the community are and how the city can respond.
0: Yeah, well, and I always remember that one decision you made, um, you've made a tonne, but one decision that I always admired, and I kind of thought like, this, this woman's got it. Um, when you kindly ask people to stay out of parks and stay home, and please don't use the pie, like, you were very kind about it all mm. and polite. And this is in the interest of everyone's safety. And, and then they just didn't listen. So you blocked the, the parking lot. So I was like, damn she just put boulders in front of everything like (laughs) figure it out now people and it was probably one of those like just a very respected decision I'm sure it wasn't an overly popular decision so that's also you know I guess one of my questions is how do you weight popular opinion versus consensus versus the right thing to do because I don't always think
1: all three of those pieces exist. It is uh, it's like threading a needle from a thousand feet away right yeah. that, that's what it feels like um, and 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 a lot of times you'll miss every now and again you hit the sweet spot or you get close and you know it's interesting that you raised the barricading of the parking lots early in the pandemic we didn't know a lot about the virus how to keep ourselves safe. You know what? You know, could it could it could it stay in the air if you were outside? Somebody sneeze, you walk behind them. You know, we just we didn't know. Yeah. And so at that time, when you don't know what you're dealing with, the people will not only accept but support more restrictive measures. And so while we did hear from people about blocking the parking lots, the vast majority of people felt that was absolutely the right move yeah. because they were scared. I heard from people I heard from more people saying what are you gonna to do to keep the crowds out of the parks because our health collectively as a community is at risk mm-hmm. we made a different decision with the third wave which is actually if you look at the infection rates uh, more severe and serious than early days in the pandemic because we know more about the virus how it spreads how to keep ourselves safe masks are now uh, available which there was a debate earlier in the pandemic as you recall. And so we, uh, I called a special council meeting after the shutdown order was issued on a Friday afternoon. We had a special council meeting on the Saturday to ask that very question to the council. Mm. That was a council decision to be made. And I wasn't going to make it on my own. I wanted their insights, their wisdom. We had our staff on the call. It was a two hour uh, council meeting. And at the end of the day, we decided not to proceed with barricading parking lots. And part of the thinking, and that was unanimous. Yeah, uh, we had a good discussion, uh, but at the end of the day, we felt, no, we know more about this and people are able to be outside. In fact, we encourage them mm-hmm. to get outside. And so we're not going to literally put up barriers to the very thing that we know from medical experts is safe uh, being outside so long as you stay six feet apart from anyone you don't live with, wear your mask if that's a challenge. Um, But also we had a much keener awareness of the mental health impacts of a prolonged lockdown and that getting outside, being physically active, uh, being out in nature is actually critically important to help counteract the prolonged mental health uh, impacts of being in lockdown for 15 months. So we made a very different decision and both decisions at the time they were made were the right one based on what we knew. And both of those were uh, done in collaboration with others.
0: Well, it's that saying, right? When you know better, you do better. Exactly. And at the time, well, you know, I still remember people would be life selling their groceries. Like we didn't know, right. We just didn't know. Exactly. But we looked to leadership to set the standard and, and to be strong for us because we didn't know. And I think that is something that you and your, your team did specifically for this city. Um, But I can imagine that it's not always popular. So how, you know, again, you make it in collaboration, but you're still the one delivering the message. Yes, (laughs) That's just the way that that's like a, job description for leadership, but you know, how, how does that wear on you? That, that feeling of you're never going to make everyone happy. And I, you know, I even look at, I, you know, I love what you're doing with the, the rainbow sidewalks and raising the pride flag. That's really important to my family and I, my, you know, my wife, it's great for my son to see. Um, And that means a lot to us. I know that there's another side to that. Mm-hmm. So how how do you constantly weigh that that feeling of kind of you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, for lack of better? Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's Monday morning. I don't really have much finesse today.
1: <laughs> That's totally fine. That but that is exactly that is exactly what it feels like. And I can tell you, one of the hardest things throughout the pandemic has been trying to find more uh, consensus on decision-making because typically my experience before the pandemic had been I generally knew and had a pulse on the majority of the community and um, you know I'd get the odd negative comment here or there but I would I would be able to Uh, deal with it because those people just simply didn't agree with me and we were going to have to simply agree to disagree but and and you can live with that Um, but but overwhelming uh, support for the decisions I was making as a counselor and as a new mayor so I was a year and a bit on the job before this happened and and so generally things were happy in my inbox Uh, far more support You know, 80, 90 percent, 95 percent support from the community on decisions. And so when you get uh, negative feedback, but you know with that kind of additional feedback that you're on the right track, it's easy for you to, to put it in its proper context and deal with it. And, and we don't ignore that negative feedback at all. Sometimes there's something in it that we can learn from or say, oh, that's a good point, we hadn't thought about it. And, and then we incorporate it into our decision. We don't change our decision, but it becomes stronger and better because it's been informed. The pandemic changed all that and it became 50-50. And to try for someone like myself, who is really trying to where's the consensus, where's the community at, what's the right thing to do. Experts are are either don't know or or divided. Uh, It has probably been the most difficult situation to navigate. And then add on top of that, the prolonged mental health impacts of being in a lockdown, people frustrating, losing homes, losing businesses, having their children break down because they can't go to school or see their friends. People uh, that that came out in how people treat each other, very negative, very uh, just very very overwhelmingly negative feedback. And so when you're getting pummeled with that every day, you, your staff on social, in your email, on your phone, uh, it is it is very difficult to not only know. Get a good read on where is the consensus here from anybody how you know it, it can be paralyzing it wasn't but it, it can be but it was really taking a toll on all of my stuff so we, we we would take social media breaks yeah. and say we're not looking at it today <laughs> like do some other good stuff if that's why you didn't hear from me by the way uh yeah. you know it's not cause, not because of uh any one individual out there but we would yeah. have to just give it a rest give it a rest nobody can stay in that sustain that kind of onslaught of negative uh feedback day in day out every minute every hour every day and and we became a little bit like uh, people's People's uh, sort of sounding board or punching bag, if yeah. you will, and so then you started to see the messages from the city in my office. You mentioned earlier about being kind. Be kind to each other. Be kind to us. Be kind to the public servants. We're there to help you.
0: Yeah,
1: we're there. We're there to serve you. And certainly, with um, we've known, I've noticed a massive shift since the vaccines have started to ramp up summer and spring are here we've got nice weather people are out people see that there's light at the end of the tunnel that that level of negativity has gone really back to what we what we were used to so that that's really a good a good sign um, and then we can talk about nevertheless how do you make decisions in the middle of knowing that you're dead if you do damned if you don't i have a lot to say about that too <laughs> well yeah but i and i think
0: that that's just you know, I've had so many personal feelings. I I feel like we've all probably been, you know, they used to say, we're all in the same storm, but on different boats, right? I actually feel like I've been on a roller coaster ride. For me, that's how it has felt. It's like, oh, things are okay, though, they're not okay. And you're kind of doing that down. And Even just, I've always worked from home. So that wasn't a huge shift for me. Um, I was able to fairly quickly shift my business and do things online and help teams and help community events, bring things online. I love my family, right? Like I actually don't mind spending lots of time with them. Um, but just still my, my emotional state and my leadership with my team kind of went up and down and it was really hard to like everyone. Like I actually really enjoy people. I, one of the things I'm missing the most is sitting on a patio or somewhere and just having lots of different people pop by my table. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> I'll remember like, that the next yes, time I see you <laughs> If you
0: see me on a patio, stop and say hello. I'm very happy to chat. But that was, I, that's what I was used to. And that's the one thing I was missing. But I was, I'm also just feeling that it's really hard to stay positive and kind and like, like everyone still when there is that very, um, that line that's in the sand that's been drawn mm-hmm. of this side, that side, you know, support, not support and gray areas sort of disappeared in, in so many different issues. Like, I feel like the pandemic just blew up all of society's issues all at once uh, and just created these pockets of different groups that just all of a sudden couldn't get along anymore. And, and it's, it was really hard, even just from inside my home to watch it all happening. And, and that pulse on the community that you mentioned of You know, I know you did surveys. I know you've done the town halls, and I know because I've participated in them. And that's how you, I imagine, that's how you got the pulse on the city by talking to people. But now it's probably somewhat exhausting to talk to everyone because it's you know you're doing a great job. You're the worst. You're doing a great job. (laughs) It's like ah, you know, it's it just yeah. yeah.
1: It, it, you really have to have a good sense of yourself and trust your ability to make good decisions. And I can tell you for me personally, uh, I've been in the workforce for over 30 years and it, and I feel that it is only now that I am fully leaning into my own instincts around what makes a good decision. Hmm. It's taken that long and a pandemic and missteps along the way. There were decisions uh, that I wish I could undo <clears throat> during, even during the pandemic. But you, you can't dwell on that. You just move forward and you learn from it. And as I said at the beginning, I'm a silver lining person. I'm an optimist. I take every experience good, uh, but particularly the difficult ones, the hurtful, challenging ones to say, what can I learn out of this? What can I take to be stronger for the next time? And then you can you can you can take some of that negative experience and turn it into something good, and almost redeem it in a way. Uh, in a small way. It'll, it'll, you know, I'm not saying it won't still hurt (laughs) because it it does. They're still human, right? We're not robots. (laughs) Exactly. And so, uh, and I, and, and my team is very much like that. So we have bonded as crisis often will do. It'll either tear you apart and you touched that, you touched Mm -hmm. on that. There are relationships I know from in the city, uh, people have told me friendships that have been devastated and broken because of the different approach to this pandemic, different views on masks, different views on vaccinations, different views on lockdown. Um, it has, it has become something that has divided people and torn apart friendships. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and we, you know, vowed not to let that, let that happen uh, to us. And, so, you know, my, the, the team of four that we have in the office, as well as the emergency control group of 30, as well as the COVID task force of uh, over 40, you know, it, and we didn't, it's not like we've vocalized this or verbalized this. We were there together so that we could, that we could muddle through together and support each other. So we, you know, we didn't have to do one of those like ceremonies where we're going to support each other. It was just that unwritten commitment that that we all made, and to trust each other's instincts. And so, the nature of the conversation often starts with, "Here's an issue. I have no idea what to do about it." That's how conversations started. And still will happen, you know. What do we do about opening schools? Do we advocate to opening schools? Not my decision, but people expect me to advocate. As you know, as yep. a, for example, what about outdoor activities? They were closed, you know. You saw our advocacy on that. Um, so even if it's not something in your wheelhouse to make the decision on, you have to advocate. And so, so as we're trying to muddle through those decisions, should we do a mask bylaw? Should we not do a mask bylaw? For example they would start with, I have no idea what the right answer is. I have no idea. I don't, I have no idea what any answer is. Let, let's see, so let's figure out how we make a decision. And I think the how one makes a decision is more important than uh, than coming to a decision or, or putting that on the floor in the first place. And And so as you talk it through and people feel safe to, say, well, what about this, what about that? Or I, I'm feeling like this is not the right way to go, or I feel like we should do this, or I'm hearing this from the community. And and we we throw it all into the middle of the table, like a big mess of stuff, like a big block of Legos, right? It's like, at some point we know we wanna build something. We don't even know what the something is, and we don't know how we're gonna build it yet. And we just threw this mess of stuff in the middle of the table. And that that's what decision-making has felt uh, and, but, but honestly, that's the way decisions should be made. Yes. <laughs> I think that's the right model. And then we say, well, if we put this piece with this piece, does that work? And then we add, and then at the end of the day, we come out with a truly consensus-oriented decision because the other thing about this pandemic is there's no sitting on the sidelines. No. There is no, n- none of that. You must pick a position and it's black or white. It's we we support masks or we don't. We're promoting vaccines or we're not. We are supporting uh, the lockdown or we're not. It's yes and no, yeah. and and so you you can't hide behind nuance. Yeah, decisions have to be made. Well, and I think that that's such
0: a you know there's a lot in there too of the team that you've built. And because you, you've kind of grown up together through this, you know, I like to call it imposed flourishing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's a great word for it. Yes. So
0: you've had to do this together, but you know, there must be, I, you know, I don't know, obviously the intricacies of your team, but you know, to be able to make decisions like that, I'm assuming that there's safety in decision-making, like in that freedom of being able to say, I don't know. Yep. Um, Without that shame or judgment that comes along with that often, the asking for help, right? Being willing to ask your colleagues for help um, and to do that, you know, up and down and sideways of an organization, not just, you know, bottom up, um, but, you know, and just, and truly working together and having each other's back. I think that that's one of the things I've also seen in your council and your team is nobody is shaming other people in the public where no one is taking a stand that's far outside of somebody else's stand um so that's that that consensus piece that you talk about and it's a really interesting it's interesting to see it happen especially in you
1: know government politics and you know all of those pieces a really it's a really good observation and and yes it has been and that's been intentional you know i i credit my entire council for um uh for allowing uh, allowing me to to play my role during the emergency i have a defined role in our emergency plan and that is to be the spokesperson on the emergency and that that they had to give up something for that right uh to to Uh, And there and there were times throughout where there were there were differences of perspective around the decisions that were made and uh, and they wear a little bit of that, too, right, even though they didn't make the decision, they have to decide, am I going to distance myself, as you said, and and shame those who made it Uh, or. and, and and it's not saying that people have to agree with something they fundamentally disagree with, but there's a way to communicate. And so there were times when council members might say, you know, I, I didn't make that decision, but I know the reasons why, or that, that you know, safety first, or, you know, I'll convey your feedback back and see what we can do. That's exactly how to manage uh, different perspectives and, and not go to the shaming and blaming. And And for my own part, it's been very intentional that it serves no good in the community for uh, members to see us fighting among levels of government. Mm -hmm. So where we had advocacy on, we think, for example, outdoor amenities should be open, it was done very respectfully, it was done with evidence, it was done as a request uh, for consideration, uh, but not as you know, you guys are all idiots who don't know what you're doing. And (laughs) you You don't have to write that part down. (laughs) Yeah, 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 it's not helpful, right. And as somebody who's been, you know, pummeled uh, myself throughout Mm -hmm. this, I appreciate when others, whether if they disagree, do it in a way that is more uh, respectful, that, that, um, and, and recognizing that we are all truly trying to do the right thing here. Every yeah. single one of us. And I believe that of every member of uh of elected office who's who's has a role to play throughout this pandemic, that everyone is doing what they truly believe to be best for the community. Even those I absolutely fundamentally disagree with, I believe that's their motivation. Yeah. And if you start there, then you can maybe try to have a dialogue. It's when we demonize each other as as human beings that that any opportunity for dialogue consensus changing minds falls apart you, mm-hmm. you, people people can't hear past uh you know vitriol and judgment you've just shut the conversation down completely
0: yeah yeah i think that's such a you know somewhere along the lines i don't know where it happened but people lost the skill you know of the playing nice in the sandbox you don't all need to like the same things, you know. I even say this to my son: you don't have to be friends with everyone, right? But you do have to treat everyone with a level of respect, and and just human to human. Yep. And you know, that's something I don't want him out there being a people pleaser because I don't think that there's much value in that either. However, you know, we are not in the shame, blame, judgment. Realm Because it actually, it doesn't progress anything. And when you want to communicate and advocate or, you know, impact change, when you're doing those sorts of temper tantrums, we know it doesn't get you very far. So, yeah, so I, I love the, you know, kind of what you're saying about just be more open minded when you're talking to each other, look for that consensus and you know a credit to you and your team for continuing to work so well together um
1: i'll knock on wood right now <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: well there's been bumps along the way i can oh, tell sure. you there's been many tears shed by all of us <laughs> yes so but yeah um, yeah we, we've, reco- we've recovered we've you move through that and that's to be expected right
0: yeah exactly and that's you know i've done a few other interviews and somebody said when you treat adults like adults they act like adults. So it's, um, kind of giving each other that credit to, to be human and, and trust all of your instincts. So as I wrap up, I have three questions that I like to ask. Um, it's not rapid fire, so don't, (laughs) (laughs) but first, so how do
1: you as a leader take care of yourself? I'm I'm really bad at it. I'm just gonna mm. say that right there. Um, I I enjoy getting outside, walks, uh, hikes. I I you know I put my phone down, but I pick it up too quickly. So I'm I'm really bad at it. I I, I really am. Um, and uh, I'm I'm very driven in what I do. So I I feel what what makes me feel happy is getting things done, and so I have to really work at but getting things done for your own personal life separate from work could also be something that gives you happiness i'm not i will say i'm not i'm not there i haven't figured that's that. that's the next
0: phase of, uh,
1: <laughs> of growth then yes and now Incredible. i've put it out on a podcast yeah, yeah you put
0: it out there Everyone's going to be setting you meditations and yoga practices. <laughs> yeah. Well, the
1: joke around the house is, I over Christmas I uh, downloaded a yoga app. I have yet to use it. <laughs> I thought I just need to slow down, have some yoga and meditation. I need to, you know. Yep. Yeah. I'm. I am. I am who I am. But I, I recognize it's an area for uh, future development. Yes. There you go. So. Then the next question is, how do you take care of your team?
0: Oh, I'm much better, much better at, (laughs)
1: yes, I'm much better at looking at supporting others. And that's a classic for women, right? We take care of everybody else uh, first. And um, so we, uh, you know, I encourage them to take days, uh, mental health days, um, vacation days, Um, you know, they, they put in time on. Uh, evenings and weekends so I say you know take take days off where where you need it to I give them permission to as I said earlier stop responding to people who are being abusive we support each other through those kinds of things Um, I I send them you know gift baskets and treats and things like that we have uh, we had started doing team building uh, cocktail hour after hours (laughs) That we we haven't done a lot of those just because of the pace, but we're we're actually planning uh planning something in our near future where it was all about you know get to know you. What's you know what's the the band you love that you won't admit to people and, and what's the other one that you really do love, you know, things like that. Um, yeah. so just trying to not talk about COVID, uh try as, as best we could not to talk about about work. Um, in the summer we had, uh, when we were still able to gather, we had the ability to safely uh, socially distance and visit a friend's cottage. So we did that.
0: Nice.
1: And that was enormously helpful uh, for all of us. So so we've tried to find, as many organizations have, uh, find a way to have those, those team building moments, those personal connection moments uh, outside, uh, you know, even though we have to stay separated and it, it might be on Zoom, uh, but, but we, we can be in the office. I don't go in uh, much, but uh, once in a while, one or two of the staff members will go in and, and you know stay in their office, but they can have a hallway chat, right? They can yeah. see a person that is enormously helpful. And so some, you know, I just give my staff permission to do what they need to do for their own mental health, take the breaks when they need it and they know that they'll never get a question from me. They you need it, you take it. The the work will carry on. It will either wait or somebody else on the team will do it and yep. um so we've, you know, so when as I did this weekend in light of, you know, the situation uh, that occurred with finding the the, you know, the the mass grave of 215 children, my staff immediately on Saturday and Sunday were willing to step up and and, and um, you know, do um do some communications and and we had staff at the city uh, that were willing to come in on a sunday and lower the yes. flags without even question right people just stepped right in and that's when you give people permission to take the time when they need it they're there for you uh, when you need them too
0: that's that's wonderful advice and i keep saying it so it's really nice to hear somebody else uh echo that as well and then, uh, you know, Mary, you have to turn that around, uh, for your, <laughs> sometimes too. that's my last, that'll yes. be my, my mom
1: tip to you. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. We'll talk again in a year. See how much pro see if I've actually yes. done the yoga. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, okay. The last question, cause I know we're running out of time. What is one piece of advice you have for future leaders? Not necessarily future mayors, but future
1: leaders in general. Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. So I am focused on consensus, but you have to balance that with not giving up your voice. Do not give up your voice. Do not give up your power. And I can tell you through this pandemic, there were times when I, in the interest of reaching consensus, of, of reaching a quick decision that we could all live with, I gave up my voice and my power and, and a decision that ultimately was the wrong one that we had to step, you know, walk back. Don't do that. So that is probably the best uh, silver lining for me um, to balance that desire for consensus with but you have a point too. don't give away your own instincts, your own contribution, your own history, everything that you bring to the table, when you make a decision, don't ignore your own contribution in the goals of trying to find consensus with others and and hold firm politely, diplomatically, but where you need to stand firm. Yes, I love that piece of advice. And, you know,
0: it's yes, we all need these little reminders all the time. And, you know, I love that you're still so open to learning. And it's that, you know, you're never done. You're never done learning. You're never done. We'll see what the next year
1: brings. Maybe Absolutely. you'll be
0: participating in yoga at <laughs> Spencer Smith Park you know, with everyone. It'll be wonderful. Yep.
1: That will be nice. <laughs> yes. Looking forward to it.
0: Yes. Well, thank you so much. Um, so folks can follow you and learn more about you. You do a blog. Is it monthly, weekly? Uh,
1: we post almost daily on my daily. website. So MarianneMeadeWard.ca. We do a monthly newsletter, which is kind of a collects the stories of the month that, that are on the website and packages them. Uh, but I'm also on all social. So Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. And we post multiple times a day.
0: Yeah, very informative. So uh, thank you, Mayor B-Board, for spending this past 45 minutes with me. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Ashley. I really appreciate the opportunity. All right. What might be holding you back from becoming the leader you know you can be? Whether it's conflicting priorities, time, or maybe you just need a little guidance, there's hope. You can do it. If you're interested in creating a team that thrives, reach out. Let's chat about what we can do together. I'd also love to hear from you about this podcast, about your challenges and successes as a leader. We can learn together how to inspire each other and build the culture we want in our work and ultimately our lives. So connect with me through Instagram You can find me at ashley, A-S-H-L-E-E dot livingstone, L-I-V-I-N-G-S-T-O-N-E, or reach out by email at ashley at ourforte dot C-A. And remember, there's always two E's at the end of my name.